0: We're going to continue um, our reading from Scripture today from the Gospel of Luke, the birth narratives, and now we're going to be progressing a little bit in time throughout the early days of the Lord Jesus and his mother and father. We're basically going to pick up at that point where Gavin and Elay left off, Um, In this passage, we're going to read about some of the actions of Joseph and Mary in the 40 days following the birth of Jesus. And we'll also meet a man whom Luke will call a righteous and devout man, a man named Simeon. And as we read this passage, we'll read of a prayer of thanksgiving that, that Simeon makes when he sees this child this child, whom he calls the consolation of Israel and a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Our scripture passage, if you want to turn to it again, um, is Luke chapter 2. For using the Pew Bible, you can find them on page 857. And I'll start reading in verse 21. This is God's holy, living, An inerrant word, please give it the attention that it so richly deserves. Luke writes, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord, as it, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout And blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade. But the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Let's pray, please, again. Lord God, this passage speaks of of how the Spirit was upon Simeon and, and was present in the temple that day. Lord, we would ask that you would cause your Holy Spirit to be active among us and upon us this evening in this place as well. Lord, as we read these words, may we see you, Jesus, as a light for revelation to us for God's glory and for our good. And we pray this in your holy, magnificent name. Amen. As we consider this passage this evening, let's consider each of the people who were there at the temple that day. First, we have Mary and Joseph. And as we think about them and their actions, I'd like for you to to recognize their faithfulness. We read first that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. and, And by having Jesus be circumcised on this, the eighth day, Joseph and Mary were submitting to the prescriptions of Scripture and were giving to their child the sign of the covenant marking him as a true son of Abraham, as a child of the covenant and of the family of God. We also note that they named the child Jesus. And of course, that was the name that the angel of the Lord told Joseph was to be the name that they would name this child. Because, as the angel said, he would save his people from their sins with the name Jesus or Yahshua, meaning The Lord saves. So Joseph and Mary were obedient to the instruction of Scripture about circumcising their son on the eighth day, and and they were obedient to the instruction of the angel that they were to name this child Jesus. We also see their faithfulness on display in their coming to the temple on this day for two purposes, two specific purposes brings them to the temple that day. First, we we see them coming to the temple for purification according to the law of Moses, Luke says. Now, now what's Luke talking about here when he says that this is according to the custom or according to the law? Well, in Leviticus 12, we learn that, that for the first 40 days... Following the birth of a a child, of a male child, a woman was deemed to be ceremonially unclean. I'm sorry, but we really don't have time tonight to dig into that and what's the rationale behind that and what that might mean and what that actually might not mean. But, But nonetheless, that was an ordinance that was in place by the Lord at that time. And according to the law of Moses and, of course, the law of the Lord, at that time when a woman gave birth, 40 days after that birth, she was to bring a lamb to be offered in order for her to be restored into a state of ceremonial cleanliness. Now there was also another sacrifice that the Lord directed was to be made for all of the firstborn children of Israel, whether of man or, or even the firstborn of livestock. This is mentioned in Exodus 13. There the Lord instructs that all firstborn males born to the Hebrews were to be consecrated to the Lord. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine, the Lord says in Exodus thirteen two. You'll remember, of course, that the 10th plague that was poured out upon Egypt, that 10th plague was the plague of the firstborn. Every firstborn, whether the firstborn child or even the firstborn among the livestock, would lose its, would lose its life on the night of that first Passover unless the blood of a lamb was placed on the doorpost in the lentils of that home, signifying eventually the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, that the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb of God, brings salvation. And to help the Israelites to never forget this this deliverance from the Egyptians by the Lord, the Lord required future generations of Israelites to pay a redemption price for their firstborn sons. And that's what Joseph and Mary were doing that day at the temple. They were being obedient to the requirements of the Lord for these various offerings that were to be made following the birth of a child. But here's something that's interesting, at least I find this interesting, and that's that that not only do we see the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph on display here in this passage, but we also see their poverty. Now, why would I say that? Well, do you know what was to be the sacrifice that was to be offered following the birth of a child and and the redemption price of a firstborn son? It was to be a lamb. But why then didn't Joseph and Mary bring a lamb into the temple that day? Why did they, as we read in verse 24, why did they bring a pair of doves or pigeons instead? Well, it's because there was a provision in the law that said that if you were too poor to be able to afford a lamb, you could instead offer a pair of doves or pigeons. Think about that. The parents of the child who would be the Lamb of God couldn't afford to pay for a lamb to be offered as a payment, to be offered as a sacrifice which marked his birth. That reminds us of Christ's humility, the King of glory, wasn't born in the opulence of a palace, but instead he was born into poverty to these two young parents. It's what Amy and I read this morning from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening from 2 Corinthians 8-9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I wonder as Mary and Joseph brought that child to the temple and they brought doves, I wonder if they saw other parents of other children with lambs. Were there a few lambs and many who had doves? Or was it the opposite? We don't know. But I wonder was there any sense of shame in their hearts? Shame over their poverty? as they came to the temple to show obedience to the Lord. It's possible. You know, you and I, we feel shame. Sometimes there's a right sense of shame caused by our sin, but then other times there are false reasons for us to feel a sense of shame. Often, perhaps because of our poverty, because of something that we don't have that others do have. Friends, remember, Jesus honors poverty by coming into a poor family to be born and to live with them. So we see the faithfulness and the obedience and also even the poverty of Joseph and Mary. Now let's consider Simeon. Luke introduces us to Simeon in, in verses 25 and 26 saying, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Friends, that's a worthy goal to have in life. Don't see death before you have seen the Lord's Christ. And none of us knows when that day will come. Seek him while he may be found, God's word tells us. Do not die without seeing the face of Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, these events at this time when Jesus was born, this was a a difficult time in the life of the nation of Israel. Like they had experienced many times throughout their history, the nation of Israel was again under judgment of God because of their sin and their rebellion against Him. They were oppressed. They were oppressed by their sin. They were oppressed by the Romans who were ruling over them, occupying their land. And they were oppressed even by their own religious leaders, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who had corrupted God's law. But in the midst of the sin and rebellion of Israel, we see that the Lord had not abandoned them. The Lord had not forgotten His promises to them. He had not forgotten that He had promised that He would give to them a Deliverer, a Redeemer, a Saviour. And we read in verses 25 and 26 that the Lord had revealed it to Simeon, again, that that he would not see death until he had first laid his very own eyes upon the Lord's Christ. And so he waited. I'm inclined to say he waited patiently, but is that true? Did he wait patiently? Or did he wait with great eagerness, great expectancy? Where would he wait? Would he wait at his house? Would he wait at the, at the city gates? No, he would wait here in the temple. And here's a question to consider. Do you think that this was the first time, the first day that he ever went to the temple hoping to see this child who would be the consolation of Israel. Or perhaps had he done that many, many, many days before, hoping that today would be the day. Maybe today is the day that I'll see the Lord's Christ. Well, we, we, we don't know. Um, we don't know for sure, but, but he is certainly there this day. The Holy Spirit directs him to be there in that place at that time. And what does he do when he sees this child? When he sees these parents? And again, I wonder, is this the only child that was presented to the Lord that day? Or was it one of scores, one of perhaps a hundred or more? We don't know for sure. Scripture doesn't say that. But but what we do know is that the same Holy Spirit who made it known to him that he would not die before seeing the Lord's Messiah seems to have made it clear to him now that this child, that, that this young mother, this young father, both too poor to have a lamb to offer as a, as a payment for the sacrifice to the Lord, he sees them... And he sees this child that they carry. And obviously these young poor parents, when when they see the excitement and the joy on his face, they hand a child to this man and he, he offers this prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. He holds the child, Luke says, in his arms and he blesses him. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation for, to the Gentiles and for glory to your people. Like the angels and the shepherds before him, Simeon ha- is now the witness And the proclaimer of this thing which the Lord has done. And although he uses different words, his message is the same. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto us a child is born, a Savior, Christ the Lord. Luke refers to him as the consolation of Israel. He's the child that was promised to be born to the virgin, as as Isaiah said, who would be the prince of peace. Fear not, the angel said, "but, but with the birth of this child, God brings peace on earth to those with whom the Lord is well pleased. He brings peace. He brings wellness. He brings healing. He brings life. This child brings eternal life. He brings the Lord's salvation, Simeon says. Just as the angel said before, His name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And Simeon is holding him in his hands. The mystery of the incarnation on display. That the one who is infinite made himself to be able to be held in the hands and lifted up over the head of this aged old man as he gave this blessing. The one who's without limit, willingly subjects himself to the limitations of the human condition. The one who is self-existent and and all-powerful, makes himself to be dependent upon this young mother and father in the same way that any young child, any newborn baby, is dependent upon their mother. Simeon also rejoices in this one whom he calls a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Much of Simeon's prayers makes references to prophecies that are found in the book of Isaiah. You'll remember from our Advent reading tonight that in Isaiah 49, God spoke of how he wasn't satisfied with Messiah being Savior simply for the nation of Israel alone. And so he declared, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The Lord's Christ, Jesus, Son of Mary, is the light of the world. Isaiah 42, 7. I will give you as a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison those who sit in darkness. And of course we remember that Jesus in John chapter 7 and 8 said this about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus, Emmanuel, the true light, came into the world. And in his incarnation, he dwelt among us. and, And we have seen his glory, glory as the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says in chapter 1 of his gospel. And Simeon rejoiced to see this one that day. He rejoiced to see this one. And we rejoice to see this same Jesus in his word and, and in our lives, in our day as well. And we worship this one who's a light of revelation for the Gentiles. We worship this one who is the light of the world. And we remember also as people of faith that that the story of this one who is the Lord's Christ doesn't end there. But we remember that, that the Lord also causes us by the same Holy Spirit that was active and present in Simeon's life and in the temple that day. That same Spirit is active among us and in our lives as well. And through the will of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord has also called us and enabled us to also be the light of the world. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He says to those whom He has redeemed, you are the light of the world. In John chapter 7 and 8, he declares, I am the light of the world. But here he says, you are the light of the world also. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so in just a little bit, we'll, we'll prepare to sing Silent Night. And as we do that, we'll take light from the Christ candle and the Advent wreath and, and we'll pass that light on to one another. And as we do that, we symbolize the way that, that the Lord Jesus calls us to share in His ministry of the light of the world. We share in the ministry of Christ and by the power and the enablement of the Holy Spirit, we'll also seek to be faithful. Faithful as Mary and Joseph were here in this passage. And we'll also seek to be faithful witnesses to the person and work of Jesus Christ like Simeon was. Through the power of His Spirit, we'll seek to let His light shine before us. Shine to a world walking in darkness so that people might see him on display in our lives and give praise to our Father in heaven. Pray with me, please. Lord God, that's our prayer, that you would receive more worship, that you would receive more worship from more worshipers. Lord, forgive us for all those times when we are not faithful. Give us for all those times when we grow weary of waiting. Lord, may we wait expectantly upon you. May we expect to see you act now, to act frequently, to act consistently in our lives and in the world. Give us eyes of faith to see that indeed you do do that. Help us to see you at work, Lord. We praise you that that you do not forget your people, you do not forget your promises. You do not forget us in our need, but instead, instead you give yourself to us to save us from our sins. Lord, your word tells us that the wages of sin is death. And because we are so poor spiritually in our natural state, we are incapable of living in the ways in which we ought to are in, paying our sin debt. But Lord, that's why you sent Jesus. You sent Jesus as the Lamb of God to pay the price of redemption for our lives. Lord, rather than us paying you, you pay for us. And we thank you for the blessing that it is to be known by you, to be redeemed by you, to have you be our Deliverer, our Savior, our Messiah. You are the Anointed One of God, Jesus. And we acknowledge you, and we worship you, and we praise you, and you bring joy into our lives. Lord, May we have Simeon's sense of expectancy. May we have Simeon's joy whenever we think of you or whenever we see you in the pages of Scripture. And, Lord, we look forward to that day when our response will be similar to his when we see you at your second coming. At least, Lord, all those who have been redeemed by you will shout for joy at your sight And any who have rejected you, your word says you will reject them. But we thank you that you sent Jesus to save us. Bless us, Lord, we pray. Amen.